Hey all, welcome to Eat Drink Social. My name is Michael Moeller, and throughout this podcast series, you'll be hearing from myself and the Go Social team. Go Social is a PR and social media marketing firm with offices in both Denver, Colorado, and Louisville, Kentucky. We'll be discussing social media trends and influencer best practices in the food and beverage landscape. And if you have any questions and want to reach out, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or you can visit our website at www.goforthbesocial.com. All right, happy to be joined now by Lauren McDuffie from Indianapolis, Indiana, a.k.a. at underscore Lauren McDuffie underscore on Instagram. <laughs> Lauren, thanks for, uh, thanks for hopping on today on this call. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess b- before we get too too into it, um, you know, you've you've lived in Lexington, Kentucky before. That's not too far away from our home here in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, you do some content creation and, and doing some like freelance kind of stuff. You have a, a pretty large marketing background, um, and I believe you own your own marketing agency. I think right now, uh, as as well as a uh, pretty big blog uh, titled Harvest and Honey. <laughs> Uh, and it's really uh, kind of okay. cooking and recipe focused. Uh, does that does that just about cover it then? <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, I think you kind of covered it all pretty well there. Nice. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, well, I guess before we get too into it, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself and, and how you got into all of that? Um, sure, sure. Um, um, like you said, I do have a little bit of a of a marketing background. Um, I used to work in the nonprofit sector. I actually have a master's in public administration, which I've never really put to any great use because I I quickly discovered, um, gosh, it was about 10 years ago now, um, when I was just kind of at the beginning of my career that I really liked um, the marketing side of every organization that that I worked for, that I interned for when I was younger, and I always kind of fell into the role of um, writer. Um, I think I learned pretty early on that a lot of you either love writing or you don't, and a lot of people seem to be happy to put that responsibility on me. So long story short, I ended up kind of stopping away from the office nine-to-five environment, and I kind of started my own freelance writing business. And it's been about 10 years ago now that I started doing that. And um, that just kind of morphed into more of a blogging situation for me. I started my first food blog like right at the cusp of food blogs. It was about nine or 10 years ago as well when they were just sort of becoming a thing. And it was just a silly blog. I don't even think I used photos. And I bought culinary school textbooks and cooked my way through them trying to like homeschool myself into chefdom. And so so I did that for a couple of years and I really enjoyed it. But then my daughter was born and I ended up selling my blog to another company and I just put it aside for about a year. And when she was one, this is about five years ago now, um, I realized that I wanted that creative outlet back. And I think I realized the value that it had to me in my life. So I started my current blog, Harvest and Honey, then. And it was really just a hobby and kind of a passion project um, at first. And I had no real long-term plans or intentions for it. But it just kind of grew organically. And I discovered a love for uh, photography and food styling along the way. And um, the blog became a lot more than I guess I'd initially planned. Um, and I just enjoyed the evolution of it. It became more of a storytelling space. And I really got to do more of a creative type of writing, which I never really was able to do um, in those freelance roles that I mentioned before. So I just kind of loved it. And I've now turned that more into into the business that I'm running now. So 
so it's been an interesting kind of creative journey, and I feel like I'm still kind of in the middle of that. But yeah, it's it's been fun to see the blog grow and some of the cool creative opportunities that have kind of spawned out from that. So yeah, that's where I am. Awesome. So where exactly did your love of cooking come from and for food as well? That's the question. I don't know. You know, I've loved, it's just, it's just been my greatest love since I was really little. I honestly, I, I don't know if I can even cite a really specific source, but I think, I think it's a culmination of a lot of things. Like it was the thing I did with my grandma who lived really far away from me. And every time she'd come visit, that was just what we would do together with our time. We would bake. Um, and that became a really kind of sacred thing for me. And my dad and I used to watch cooking shows together when I was, when I was little on like public television, we would just hang out together and that was our thing. And I think, um, when I was, when I was little, I would like read recipes in the back of the Southern Living magazines that my mom always had in the kitchen. I'd always flip right to the back because all I ever wanted was the food and I wanted to learn um, how to make all these wonderful things. And I just think my interest has just really always been there and it's never, it's just never really wavered. It's definitely, um, I think my greatest passion is just cooking for people. And I also grew up in a house where we, um, Family dinners were a really big deal. We just always kind of met at the end of the day around the table, and I think I learned to value that at a pretty early age, too, um, just seeing what cooking um, for people and people that you love can do and sort of the power of that. I appreciate that aspect of cooking and food as well. So, so yeah, if there's a lot of reasons, kind of hard to cite one, but it's definitely been a consistent love of mine, that's for sure. Yeah, so I'm, I'm always really curious uh, when somebody has a – both a, a large Instagram following and then kind of a, a large blog as well, uh, how mm-hmm. they benefit each other. In other words, mm-hmm. how often do you find yourself getting maybe, I mean, it's hard to track, obviously, but I mean, do you feel like you're getting new Instagram followers because of the blog and then new daily visitors on the website because of Instagram? Yeah, I think, honestly, the the two platforms are really pretty codependent and they really kind of help each other. And I would say that, I mean, Instagram for me, I I do not want to undersell how truly life-changing it's been for me. I mean, that might sound like overkill, but I mean, it's been such a difference maker for, honestly, for a lot of reasons, from getting a book deal for me to creating and growing my, my business, and also for just something as simple as blog traffic. I mean, with the number of just food blogs that are out there today, I mean, I, I think I Googled it once. It's just millions i think it's just it's a lot a lot of food blogs and i don't know how people would would find me honestly if i didn't have this opportunity uh through instagram to kind of tell people what i'm up to and show them and i've always kind of called instagram like my micro blog (laughs) it's kind of my my quick view of, of what i'm up to and i can't imagine having a successful food blog honestly without instagram right now so yeah, it's pretty big. They, they are definitely intertwined, that's for sure. So we noticed when looking through your feed, like your pictures are absolutely uh-huh. stunning. Like I noticed my face like getting closer and closer to the screen. And I just have to remind <laughs> myself like, Michael, this is just an image. This isn't the real, oh, the real food here. I love that. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. Um, what, what exactly goes into taking a quality food photo for you? Hmm. Um, you know, I think food photography is, is harder than people think it, because it was harder than I thought. I mean, that's something I learned really quickly when I first started 
harvest and honey, I don't see, I think I, I was snapping photos with my phone and I mean, cause that's kind of what people did and you can take a really nice photo with an iPhone. Um, and I, um, but I quickly realized that if I really wanted to draw people to my site in decent numbers and kind of make a go of this thing as a food blogger, I needed to focus a little bit more on the photography because you want to show people what they're getting if they cook your food. And so my interest grew um, with that. And I started paying more attention to like what makes a photo delicious. And this is something I'm actually focusing on a lot right now. I mean, there was a chunk of time when I was almost more interested in taking pretty photos as in like moody photos and storytelling and all that. And now I'm kind of doubling down on the more delicious side of photography. Um, cause I do think they're kind of different approaches that you can take as a food stylist and a photographer. And honestly, I think for me, um, when it comes to taking a really good photo of food, it's a combination of lighting and highlighting um, the textures of, of whatever it is that you're shooting and not making something too busy. And I'm trying to think of some of the other, oh, the use of things like negative space. And there's all these sort of styling tricks and tips that, that I kind of, I think I apply almost naturally now or subconsciously when I, when I try to take photos. So I actually think it's a little tougher than, than people might realize until you actually start and try to do it. So it, it is, yeah. um, what, what is your favorite food to photograph? Ooh, my favorite food photograph like ever that I've taken. Uh, like in just in general, like do you, uh, like some people like taking pictures of cheeseburgers or fries or, oh, 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 oh. um, yeah, yeah, just like, what do you, what do you okay. really connect with and find that really like pops for you in, in your own style? Oh, I love this question. So I can, I can start with almost the opposite. I can tell you, I don't love taking pictures of cake, which is funny because it's like my favorite thing to actually make <laughs> It's That's hard. That's a difficult thing to style. Um, I will say, I think honestly, because I, I'm cooking and shooting food literally every day, I always am happy when it's um, anything involving like pasta or any, anything like that. I, they always tend to be forgiving. And I don't know what that, I think because it's automatically imperfect. Like there's no possible way to make noodles and pasta and whatever it is you've got going on um, in that regard look perfect. And so I don't know if it's a pressure, the pressure's off or something, but I enjoy, uh, I enjoy photographing anything pasta related. It's always fun. So we see that, you know, you're a photographer as well and we want to, we want to nerd mm -hmm. out a little bit here. So what, what kind of yeah. gear do you use to, to get the shots that you want and to edit the photos as well? Okay. I always say I'm like the least technical photographer ever. I always just use what, like bare minimum. I'm not a gearhead at all. I just kind of use what I need to to get the shots that I want. And I have found that you can, you can go pretty far with just like a great camera and maybe like a tripod. And I use a Canon um, 6D. I've been using it now for two or three years, I think, and I absolutely love it. Like I, it pretty much gets the job done for me no matter what. I'm, I'm shooting and I started, I think I started after, after I retired the iPhone, um, I started with a Canon Rebel, which that whole series, their whole Rebel series, I think is also fantastic. So I, I always recommend, um, that people look at those first, if they're interested in kind of growing their skills and becoming a little bit more serious about really any kind of photography, but also specifically food photography. So, um, yeah, but I switched over. I kind of 
leveled up to the 60 when I got my book deal. That that was incentive enough for me to kind of move up a little bit, and it's been amazing. So I, I definitely, I love that camera, and I use two, primarily I use two different lenses. Um, I use a 35mm 1.4, and then when I really want to get up close and personal with the food, I use a, like a 100 macro. So, and those are my favorite lenses right now, and I think I can pretty much shoot anything by flipping back and forth between those two lenses. So, um, and then to your question about editing, which is I think my favorite part of the whole process, honestly, I just, I use Lightroom and I've got a bunch of presets, honestly, that I have, which are, you know, filters and I essentially, and I've just kind of created them over the course of the past few years. And depending on the project or whatever it is I'm trying to, to um, convey, I just, pick different presets, then it helps streamline my process so that I don't have to necessarily go in and hand edit every single image, which can truly take, which you guys probably know, it could take forever. So yeah, some are super moody and green looking, like for my book, I really wanted it to have kind of a vintage, moody, almost farmhouse feel. So I have a whole bunch of editing presets that I made for that. But right now on my blog, I've kind of shifted more, and on my Instagram feed, I've shifted more into really, like I said, focusing on the food and wanting to show it off and not making it so much about the mood, um, but more about the food itself. So I'm sticking to cleaner, kind of brighter um, presets that actually show off the food itself. So yeah, it just depends on the project, really. We, we've, um, I have a Rebel T6, by the way. It's, uh, it's, a, good, it's a good camera. Yeah, they're great. Um, so we've all had these moments of when we have these, you know, mini photo shoots that we that we set up for ourselves, and we mm-hmm. have the picture in our mind, and it's gonna look great. It's gonna look mm-hmm. so good, amazing. You're gonna get every like all the all the lighting's there. The setup is great, um, and then when you're finally just like looking through it, uh, you go through the images that you just took, and you're just like, oh, uh, these aren't that great after all. Um, yeah. <laughs> so you know, sometimes those images don't. Uh, get the cut uh, to get posted mm-hmm. anywhere. Like nobody's ever going to see them again. Um, yeah. What is what is that feel f- uh, like? Because because you go into a, a, a lot of process to to get those pictures taken because you've put energy into creating the food beforehand. Um, so what does that right. feel like right. when you just can't get the right picture? Ugh, honestly, so I think luckily at this point because I've literally been doing this every day for like half a decade, I have, I think, learned what I need to do to get at least something that I'll like enough to post. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, and that just comes with time and doing something over and over again. But I, I think, I don't even remember what it was that I shot. Oh, it was, I shot some, a recipe that I wanted to post a couple of months ago. And it was just like you said, it seemed beautiful it seemed great at the time and I just snapped away and then I put everything away and we ate the food and then when I went to look so I couldn't redo it and but when I went to look at the um the photos to edit them I just yeah I wasn't feeling it it didn't look quite as good as I thought it did and it was just a a bummer because you feel like you've lost you lost that time essentially but I honestly think accepting that as just sort of part of the process and not looking at so much as like a casualty of just part of the deal sometimes. That's kind of, I had to just chalk it up to, you know, lessons learned. I'm not going to style something the way that I happened to do it that day and just take it kind of as a, a learning opportunity and move on. 
because yeah, it's not it's not a good feeling. That's for sure. It's a good what not to do next time. Up. <laughs> that's what we'll call it. For sure, for sure. So so we after doing all of our research, we we realized like you're you're definitely a real re- renaissance woman. And how how do oh, all thank of, you. no problem. How do all of your skills and talents help push forward your work from a marketing standpoint and also yeah. in specifically in, in how you tailor and shape your, your Instagram and the presence on there? So it's funny. It's kind of like a double-edged sword, really. I, I like the fact that I have a lot of background as a writer, and then I specifically in marketing copywriting, that's really where my sweet spot was for a while when I was freelancing. That's, that really comes in handy because I, it, you know, it helps you with everything from just kind of getting a bunch of Instagram captions cranked out um, all at once. That comes pretty easily because that's just the kind of stuff that I've done for a while. Um, knowing how to, you know, quickly write a compelling and engaging and convincing caption is that's valuable, you know, when you and when you're working on Instagram every day. And um, so, working as a writer, and, and obviously writing blog posts and any kind of marketing material like newsletters, and um, I have another website as well, just that I kind of keep for my creative business. You know, being able to write copy for that. So I'm glad that I've had that experience and kind of have those skills that I can um, can combine with the styling and photography and the recipe development. I mean, it all it's. It's nice that these are all things I happen to love and can do, but sometimes I will tell you it um it almost I feel like as one person it pulls me in so many different directions that it kind of makes my head spin a little bit. It'd be at some point maybe I will outsource some of these things or bring on some people to the harvest and honey team. So we I think that would be kind of kind of amazing to be able to kind of delegate some of it. But as one person kind of running this website and running all of the different arms of it like the social media um it's nice it's nice that i've had sort of an interesting um background of experiences that have come together and made it pretty pretty easy for me to kind of pull it off at least for now so yeah it's been interesting but (laughs) it seems to be working okay for now yeah well, as we've hit on before in this conversation, your content on Instagram is, is quite polished. It's, it has that kind of a moody um, theme to it. You said earlier that you really uh, enjoy the platform and even it even said it was life-changing, which is a, a pretty, because um, it, it got you the book deal. Uh, with that book deal, mm-hmm. how did that conversation happen? How did they you know, get mm-hmm. in touch with you because of Instagram? Okay, so... <clears throat> For me, with the book deal, I mean, it, it truly, it might sound silly, but it genuinely, Instagram was the difference maker uh, for me in that whole endeavor. I mean, I had this idea, um, it was fall of 2016, and I thought it was a pretty good one, and so I did all, I googled, like, how to get a book deal, <laughs> and it was as simple, it was, it sounds so silly, but I kind of did a little bit of research to see what I needed to do to make that happen, and so I put together this proposal and I queried um, literary agents and um, I ended up, let's see, I had one, okay, well, I won't make this too long of a story, but I did have one guy, he shot me an email and he said, call me. And so I thought, oh, this is it, this is my big break. Um, this is going to happen for me. So I call him and he's in, he's in New York and he was all business, but he, he cut right to the chase and he told me, oh, that no one's ever going to no one's ever going to buy this book um, because you're not famous enough. 
Hmm. And that hit me as so funny because I'm not, I mean, I'm not famous at all, really. That's not like a thing. But what he meant by that was I didn't have a strong enough um, platform. And what he meant by that was really I just didn't have enough, I think, Instagram followers, really, because that's, I mean, that's where people go and that's how people kind of measure sometimes your your level of influence. And so that was kind of um, like a punch to the gut, really. And it was um, eye-opening, but he gave me some pretty good, some pretty practical advice, actually, in that conversation. And I, I kind of took it and reworked my proposal and ended up finding an agent like a week later who sort of saw she did value the platform that I had grown and I think that she understood that I was on a pretty upward trajectory and that I would continue to grow. And so that's positive. And so she appreciated that and we signed and, but it was interesting. I had a couple of other agents say the same thing to me. So basically my social media following, if you're not a celebrity, basically your social media following really matters because at the end of the day, it's a business and they want to know that they can sell books. So that's a pretty good gauge, I think, for publishers. Um, yeah, they use your following. It's really interesting. And I'd never thought about it prior to this whole book adventure. But, yeah, it does matter for sure. Well, it definitely sounds like that that feedback that may have seemed negative at first was actually a blessing in uh -huh. disguise. Um, we, yep. we were wondering, so for anyone who is maybe in the same the same field that you are or is, is trying mm -hmm. to become an influencer, and specifically a foodie influencer, what are some tips mm -hmm. and techniques on how to effectively utilize the platform? Okay. Um, so this is always interesting because I think there's, there's a level of, I mean, you, I, you don't have a lot of control, I guess, over Instagram at the end of the day, so it could change tomorrow and everything that I tell you right now might not even matter tomorrow, mm -hmm. but I think one thing that's consistently proven true is the more you use it and the more you engage with um, your followers and with people that you also follow, that always seems to be a positive and that always seems to be helpful because I think Instagram wants you to use Instagram. So, so interacting and, and make, making sure that you kind of maintain activity with the app is probably a pretty good idea. Um, and one question I will say um, that is that I'm asked regularly. I mean, basically what you said, like, what can I do to grow my following? Because some people like me, I hadn't frankly thought too much or cared too much about my following prior to wanting to pursue uh, books. Um, but I know a lot of people have different reasons for wanting to grow, whether they're a paid influencer or they want to um, do a book or something like that. So there are reasons that people really do want to grow. And one thing I always say, I actually did a whole ebook about this um, at one point, but for me, the single most effective way I've ever found to truly grow, like authentically and sustainably without having to you know, literally pay for followers is um, just doing like Instagram um, takeovers, which is like an old, old school thing. I mean, this isn't like a novel concept. I haven't invented this, but it's what I did when I knew I needed to grow my numbers um, during this whole book deal agent finding mission of mine. Um, over the course of the summer, I think I scheduled maybe three or four takeovers where I just contacted some brands in the food world um, that were kind of in line with my own brand and my own mission. And I just approached them and asked if I could take over their, you know, their feed for the day or whatever and post a few of my images and 
engage with their following. And as a result of that, I grew my, um, I think I grew my own following up by thousands. I mean, it was really effective for me. And those followers haven't gone anywhere because it was a truly authentic and um, legitimate way for them to see me and to kind of, I convinced them um, that, you know, they should come over and hang out with me too. So that's what I always tell people to do. Like if you're really serious about kind of growing and making a go of it, that's a really good way to do it. That sounds awesome. Um, thank yeah. Thanks. <laughs> that, I mean, I, I, I guess I, I, I knew that, but at the same time in the way you just uh, articulated that, that's, uh, that's kind of mind blowing at, at the moment. Thank you so much. Um, yeah. so Hey, uh, <laughs> sure. your, your, your book, your, your book harvest comes out next month, I believe in May. Is that right? Um, yeah, Smoke Roots Mountain Harvest. Yeah, it comes out May 14th. So getting finally, we're in the home stretch here. Where where can people get it? Anywhere books are sold, <laughs> supposedly. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Awesome. Lauren, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate all the tips and tricks and advice that you gave everybody. Oh, gosh. Thank you for having me. It was my pleasure. Absolutely. Take care. Thank you. All right, everybody. That wraps up today's episode of Eat, Drink, Social. Thanks for listening. If you have a story to share or maybe you know somebody that does, feel free to reach out to us.